At long last, I am able to say a few words of my own. Read my lips. Government is not the solution to our problem. Senator, good morning again in America. Well, look, Big Bird. Yes, we did. Government is the problem. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a liberal and a conservative walk into a bar. My name is Matt, and I'm a liberal. My name is Tim. I'm a conservative. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure and check out our website at libcon.podbean.com. Check us out on Twitter. I'm at libconmatt. Tim is at libcontim. Buy Tim's book on Amazon. It's called Things I Want. Check out the blog and trailer from my production company's new film at sphereofinfluencemovie.com. Uh, again, look both ways before crossing the street, back up your data, brush twice daily, all that good stuff. Early to bed, early to rise, yada, yada, yada. Uh, tonight we're going to talk about, uh, well, Trump's been, you know, he's been, he's, he's been tweeting again and there, there was the whole, there was some phone calls with, with Taiwan and, and it was all big fun and games. We'll talk a little bit more about the carrier thing, Texas's fetal burial law, and we're going to just hop over to Europe and talk about them because, you know, they're uh, it's a little less stressful talking about other countries and their problems rather than ours. Uh, so, yeah, but we'll get to all that shortly. Round of applause, too. How are you, friend? Doing well? Yeah, I'm doing great. Life is good. Outstanding. Hey, did you know we have we have 49 states? Wyoming, where the hell are you? But we got Nebraska. Nice. And we got New Hampshire, and we got Vermont, and we got Connecticut. You guys are awesome. All, But you need to call your friends in Wyoming. I know somebody out there has a friend in Wyoming. Call them and tell them to download our show. Come on. That's like, like four. We, got, we need one more. That's it. Just one more. We have 12 people in Nambia that have downloaded our show, and we can't get Wyoming. What does that tell you? Okay, it really doesn't tell you anything, but, you know, it's okay. You don't, you don't have to respond. <laughs> so, all right, we'll start off with, with, with President-elect Trumpage uh, and more of his – well, I mean, I don't know. You know, I, we just we got we to gotta start with the China thing because we haven't talked about that yet, but uh, I'm sure everyone's heard by now uh, that, you know, Trump went and, and spoke to the leader, the president of Taiwan for – he's the first president to do that. I don't know. Was it ever? Or at no, least since in 20, 30 years, 79. Yeah, a long time. Uh, and this, uh, you know, this is just something that it's one of those lines that just doesn't generally get crossed. And he crossed it. And then he tweeted about it, you know, because that's how he rolls. Uh, and apparently the Chinese are, are pissed off and filing grievances with the United Nations. Uh, so by, I mean, I don't know, it just it, there's the question of did he do it because... He's doing strategery and trying to prove that he's different, or did he do it because he's an idiot and just didn't know any better? Ooh, somebody wants to talk nice to me on the phone, so I'll pick it up and talk to him. Oops. Well, I mean, one thing that's become clear is that his his tweet was deceptive at best. Um, you know, this idea, oh, she just called me. I mean, this was obviously planned. Uh, it's become clear that Bob Dole played a role in making this happen as a part of the forum that he lobbies for. So, no, I don't think this was idiotic. Oh, look, a phone call. You know, I, I don't think that's the case. Um, but was it, I mean, it, it's, it's, I mean, it's cute that Bob Dole played a role in it, but I mean, I'm sorry. Was this, was this, because then he chased it by going and talking more shit about China and currency manipulation on Twitter. 
you know, because again, this is what we do now. We make statements on Twitter. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, all of this just seems just stupid. Why would you do that? What the hell are you thinking? I mean, is there a part of you that's just going, Ugh, or do you think that China is just going to, you know, give them a pass and go, you know what? Okay. First timers mistake. I don't think we need China to give us a pass. I think if the president-elect of the United States of America wants to talk to the president of Taiwan, then the president-elect of the United States of America gets to talk to the president of Taiwan. Taiwan China doesn't ask for a pass from us for manipulating their currency. They don't ask for a pass from us for going to the South China Sea. Why do we need to ask for a pass from China? I don't know that I'm asking for one, but I'm saying that, I mean, is, is, I mean, we got to tip through the tulips with these assholes and that, you know, I mean, I'm sorry. No, we, he wants to call China. He gets, he wants to call Taiwan. He gets to call Taiwan. Done. All right. Fair enough. Um, And and I think it's a good strategy. Like I'm look, you know, I mean, for better or for worse, whether it is really Obama's fault, if it's just sort of the way the world went, I you know I'm, I I don't know, but I I we we do need to be a little bit firmer in our stances in the world, and I think that the um, having someone like Trump who you don't really know exactly what he's going to do or what he's willing to do. Uh, can be of some assistance in, in dealing with, with some of these countries like China, like Russia. Um, Russia's kind of done whatever the hell it wanted. China's kind of done whatever the hell it wanted. And I I think maybe Trump is a, a good solution to how to deal with them. And I think Taiwan was a something along those lines was a, a reasonable first step. That's a reasonable place to make your stand. Would it have been start things off in that respect? I'm not saying it's not. I'm I'm asking if that's if, if I'm clarifying that that's what you're saying. So that's that's a good, you know. Okay, this is how I'm going to differentiate myself, and I'm going to do it right off the bat. Well, I would have preferred that he differentiated himself and established us by taking part in the TPP. Uh, but you know, all right, I'll take Taiwan. I mean, I, I think that's my I think that's my point is that there's there's there are largely symbolic gestures that you make brag about and then tweet about. Or there are things that actually matter. And I you know, this is not to me one of those things that really actually mattered. It was one of those matters of decorum that could easily be have could easily have been seen as. Uh, as a as a first timer's mistake, um, and then it's amplified by the fact that then you go off and you and and again you fucking tweet about it. I mean, you know, it it just uh, I don't know. It it doesn't. And also, when you do tweet about it, you're not entirely being you're sort of be like you said, being apparently a little disingenuous about the the nature of the call. So. Uh, you know, it, I mean, un- unless, because I mean, if he had just come out and said, yeah, I called the time I talked to the Taiwanese president, what I, I don't know that I would have had any problem with that. I might've been like, okay, well that's different, you know, but uh, again, the methodology I think is what irks me somewhat in that respect. So, yeah. And, yeah. and, and legitimately the tweeting thing was stupid. I would have much preferred for him just to be like, yes, I called the president of Taiwan. It was a nice conversation. 
I, I think yeah. that would have been that would have been preferable. And again, I do think that there are better ways to handle all of this, like taking part in the TPP. But hey, all right, I'll I'll take this. And I certainly, and I guess the thing that just irks me is this idea that oh gosh, we're so sorry, China. We didn't mean to call Taiwan. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. We're the United States. We want to call Taiwan. We're going to call Taiwan. Done. Well, and and the other thing is, is that one of one of the one of the things that I I read sort of in the aftermath was a okay, why is this a thing? You know, sort of rundown on it. And as much as as much as everybody made it out to be a big thing, China and China, if you ask them directly, will tell you that yes, they have rights to Taiwan and and they want it back and blah de, blah de, blah. But in practice, China has sort of largely let the Taiwan, the Taiwanese establish themselves effectively as their own country. They have their own presidency. They have their own uh, elections. And, uh, you know, the cultures are now at this stage from a generation. There, there are several generations. They're at least a generation or two removed. So they're getting to a point where they've established their own identity, their own culture, their own place in the world. And China is largely staying out of their way. Uh, at least in practice, if not in principle. Well, I, I think it's a little bit more complicated than that. I, I think there is still some some constant back and forth, and and some some constant. Uh, what's that? How's this president of Taiwan going to address things? You know, as I, this is a fairly new president in Taiwan, from my understanding. Um, so I, yeah, it, it is a little bit. China isn't being quite that acquiescent to them um but and and i think i guess maybe there is there is certainly something for for it to be said as long as far as like was this really the place this was the one because like you said it's a fairly stable situation you know it's there's definitely some looking the other way on china's part and on our part and wink wink nudge nudge sure one china um so was this really the place to do it yeah maybe maybe not but like I said, for me, the main thing is the idea that we would need to apologize to China for this or something. No, I, I mean, I'm not. And, I, and again, I'm not. That's not something I'm saying we should do. I mean, it is worth noting that China did go to the U.N. and, and get annoyed. You know, I mean, does that again, does that necessarily mean anything? Probably not. Um, but, you know, uh, the whole thing just seems sort of largely symbolic and sort of a dumb pissing match to to begin with, I think that's sort of my point is that I, 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 if you're going to make moves like that, I'd rather see moves that actually matter. And I don't know that this was one that did, um, in the long run, you know, uh, other than maybe it's, you know, maybe it's a negotiating point. It's an established, you're establishing position early on. That's, that's very common. That would be my best guess that this was, yeah. Establishing dominance basically. Yes. Which again, established dominance by taking part in the PPP and setting the pace for how economics are done in Southeast Asia. The PPP? I can always, I can, what did I say? You said the PPP. You mean the the TPP. TPP. Not the the OPP. Not the OPP, the TPP. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, but I'll I'll stop saying that because it gets old after a while. But (laughs) like, so yes, I would much prefer that, but I'm not. I'm not upset about the Taiwan call by any stretch of the imagination. I'm I'm not I'm not ups, I'm not upset about it any more than I'm really you know again I'm not I'm not necessarily 
upset about any of, of what I've seen. I'm, I'm upset about Michael Flynn. I'm a little upset about Jeff Sessions. I'm not, nothing else is actually really upsetting me just yet. You know, the, there's a lot of things that are kind of making me go, Hmm, but nothing has actually made me go, Oh geez, what have we gotten ourselves into? Um, and Bannon, Bannon has made me go, Oh geez. Okay. I'll give you that. But, uh, you know, beyond that now that the, the, uh, the, on the, on the cabinet front, we had, uh, this mad dog, Mattis dude, uh, that got appointed to what? What did they? What did they appoint him to? Secretary, Def- Secretary, Secretary of Defense. Secretary of Defense. We now have a Secretary of Defense called Mad Dog. I just want to get that out there. That's a totally Trump thing. I I, I can't imagine a more Trump thing to have than a Secretary of Defense called Mad Dog. Um, and then today it was announced that the Labor Secretary is the uh, the CEO of Hardee's. <laughs> Which I just find amusing. I, I think that part's kind of funny, you know, because I mean, Hardy's, hey, this is a guy who once said, you know what? I love beautiful women and bikinis eating burgers. Don't we all? I, um, so, you know, I, I, I don't know that I, I, the, the interesting thing to me about the Carl's Jr. guy is that he, on one hand, he is way more pro immigration than Trump has ever put any positions on. So that's going to be interesting. But then he's also, you know, one of these, we're in business, we're in corporation, we should be able to do what we want and get the hell out of our way uh, sort of thing, which those kind of people sort of annoy me. Thoughts on, on any of, on either, either of them. I haven't read enough about old Mad Dog yet to really form an opinion on him. Everything, I, everything I've read about Mad Dog is positive. I, I haven't seen a single negative thing about him. The closest thing I've seen to a negative is uh really far right people really anti-immigration people being frustrated or not maybe not even frustrated just concerned uh about how mad dog feels about immigration so yeah at every everything i am seeing is good who who is the other one i'm sorry who's the other person you were talking about the the Car- the carl's junior guy who i cannot think of his name it's it's totally escaped me um but uh, uh, he's the CEO. He's the he's the, the secretary of uh, the labor secretary, secretary of the labor department, and uh, he is the CEO of Carl's Jr. slash Hardee's. Okay, uh, yeah, I guess I don't really know enough about him to to say one way or the other. Well, yeah, the the two things that I've I've read today, uh, you know, Puzder, Andrew Puzder, 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 Putzer, what? How does it puzzle? P U Z D E R is how. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Well, yeah. Uh, like I said, the two things that that are interesting. One, he's in a different place on immigration than Trump is, has or at least has said he was. But then again, he's also very, uh, you know, and uh, he's he's been one of the fighters of the the fifth of the 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 minimum wage guy. I think he may be the minimum wage, the raising the minimum wage stuff. Uh, on just about every front, so which I don't entirely agree with, and I and I, I, I never like the you you know me I, the the idea that the this idea that businesses should just be able to do, be able to do what they want, and that any attempt at regulation is 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 an attempt at socialism is has always been just silly to me. But uh, and he seems to be one of those cats. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty anti raising the minimum wage, at least to the sort of $15 an hour levels that people talk about. Um, you know, I, I like the idea of the Secretary of Labor being someone who has been heavily involved in business and, and understands the, the needs of businesses. Um, I, I guess the big question mark would be, I, you know, I would be very skeptical of hiring someone who was the head of a labor union uh, to be the Secretary of Labor because of just their obvious biases. Um, well, he's not I, the head of and I union. guess by that same token, you could be skeptical of hiring someone who is the CEO of fast food restaurants who arguably are as anti-labor as you can get in the business industry. So while I'm not against his choice, I can see where people on the left would be very skeptical of his choice. Yeah. So speaking of unions, uh, Trump got into another Twitter fight just recently over with the president of the uh, labor union for carrier. Uh, the people who uh, in Indiana, the air conditioning company that uh, Trump went and uh, saved some jobs for supposedly. Uh, and uh well, the labor union president was not, he wasn't, he wasn't unhappy about the job situation. He was unhappy about the show. And one point that he, that he made and that I have finally seen made in a number of different places is that the number of jobs saved was actually more like 800 because 300 of the jobs that, uh, that were supposedly saved weren't actually, weren't actually saved. They were never in danger. So this 1100 number that Trump has been running around pimping, uh, is, 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 is quite a bit off base in that respect, um, which brings the total number for even further down from where it was. Um, there has been a, a lot, some, some points that I would make that I, that I, I, I did think were interesting. I'm, I've about decided that I'm not comfortable with that. I'm just not comfortable with it. I don't really appreciate what happened. I, I don't think this sets the right tone. And I, 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 for a whole lot of reasons, you know, because now you've already got a couple of other groups in Indiana that are sitting around going, okay, well, they got that deal. Why didn't we get that deal? Um, and I, I, th- I just, I think it's a dangerous precedent to set. Uh, oddly enough, Sarah Palin went off on, on, on Trump about it. And I sort of agree with her, which makes me feel kind of icky. Uh, and then, uh, you know, part of the reason that these, these people had been set on moving under, Vice President Mike Pence and a fully Republican legislature who were doing nothing. And now all of a sudden, the what Trump comes in and, and he's got all his power to make something happen. So, I mean, it's nice in this one case that he was able to save 800 or so jobs. But I just want to know what's going to happen the next time and the next time and the next time and the next time. And I, I just don't think this was the right. I, I don't think this was a good idea. I really don't. Look, I'm sorry. No, he used the bully pulpit of the president to make a deal happen. Uh, now, if this becomes the standard, then, yeah, that would be something to worry about because that's not what we want. Uh, but government constantly is giving out subsidies to different industries and different companies in order to try to get them to either stay in the United States or to encourage uh, different you know, uses. You can look at the energy groups as far as uh, subsidies that are given to corn, subsidies that are given to oil, subsidies that are given to uh, different forms of clean energy. Um, I mean, the massive amount of subsidies that, are given, that have been given to 
yeah, clean you, energy you, groups during Obama's make, reign. So you I make mean, that point that that this is this is common practice that subsidies are constantly given out, and they are, but. We still have all of the, we still have, it doesn't solve the root problem. It's never, so. I mean, obviously it hasn't worked giving out all these subsidies because all these jobs are still leaving. So how is giving out all these subsidies helping? Because, I mean, this is a, this was, this was the entire election, right? All these jobs leaving and going to other countries. And like you just said, we've been constantly giving them subsidies and yet here we are with this problem. No, I was talking about subsidies in the, in the form with in regards to energy. I was talking about the energy subsidies that are given out. That this is something that's often done. You can look at the the subsidies that have been given out to the film industry as well. Well, right, like come to our state, we'll give you all these tax incentives to do so. So, I mean, this is just one more example of that sort of thing being done. Now, is this a long? So, one, I think it's very hypocritical for any member of the Democratic Party to get upset about this, considering the vast number of subsidies that have been giving out to different companies throughout Obama's administration. Two, I don't think that this is the way forward by any stretch of the imagination for us to be constantly doing this in a piecemeal fashion. Oh, you're going to leave. Oh, crap. Well, here, here's that. Oh, you're going to leave. Oh, crap. Well, here's this. This was... One immediate problem that the president-elect, who currently can't do anything from a broader standpoint, stepping in, using his power to keep those keep those jobs here in the states, and setting a precedent for the types of laws and the types of packages that could be put together in a more uniform way to address the issue. What about punitive ideas that have been floated? That's because where, these are still. And that's where are, I'm going to get real pissy, and I think I've said pretty constantly that one of the main things that worries me about Trump is the way that he feels about free trade, and one of the things that bugs me about his choice for Secretary of Commerce is the way that person has talked about free trade. I am pro free trade. I am anti tariffs. I am fine with giving out some tax incentives to try and keep businesses here in the states. Great, fine. Let's cut the corporate tax rate. Let's stop corporate inversion. Let's let people bring their money back into here at a lower tax rate. Awesome. Great. I'm in. The moment you start talking about tariffs and stuff, I'm going to start to get pissed. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's a good again. That's another that to me. That's not that's not pro business. And it's also, you know, you talk about it. It's it. It. it it never fails to amuse me when I hear people on the right talk to me about how oh, Democrats are all socialists and all liberals are just they want to run everybody, you know, like, you know, the Nazis or whatever. And uh, which, you know, first of all, fascism, socialism, two totally different things. Uh, and second of all, uh, this that kind of behavior that Trump talks about, that's socialism. That's a, at least a good board. It's more actually it's more like fascism. If you're going to punish companies for choosing how they do business uh, with uh, by imposing things like tariffs. That's that to me is, 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 as you say, a dangerous sort of precedent uh, to, um, to set. And I, I, I don't think he, I honestly, I don't even know that it would, I mean, I guess it would probably be legal. Right. I mean, but it just can't, you know, I, I don't think it's going to help the situation and it's not going to encourage people to come and try to do business here because it might take away what little incentive they have to come here in the first place. Look, I'm, I'm with you. I am against tariffs. I'm not going to argue with that. I'm not going to argue with you on that. You're, you're absolutely correct. 
Um, sadly, the neither the Democrats nor lately the Republicans have been particularly vocal opponents of tariffs. Um, the Republicans used to be, and that is one of the worrisome directions that Trump could possibly take the Republican Party. And I really hope that doesn't happen. Right. Fact. Um, so I, I read an interesting thing on Politico, pass it on to you, that, that there's uh, th- this sort of uh, pushing out of the people who were disloyal to Trump during the election, of which there were many, uh, has already sort of started to take place. Um, because there are uh, people who were, quote, loyalists uh, to Trump that are now uh, announcing intentions to run for House seats, governorships, Senate seats, things of that nature at the state level uh, in order to push out longtime GOP folk. Uh, I, I, I don't I don't see how this can be good for the party. I just don't. Because I, I I think a lot of the honestly I think a lot of the people who managed to who were willing to stand up to Trump were actually extraordinarily level-headed people, and now you're going to kind of kick them out the door. And I don't know. That seems like a seems like a slippery slope to me. It it would be it it's concerning again to me because I I want to see healthy parties on both sides and I think I do think the Democratic Party is actually a lot healthier than it looks on the surface right now. Uh but I'm not so sure about the Republicans. I don't I don't know. How do you how do you feel about all this? Well, I mean one, I don't I I think it's pretty standard that No, no, it's not surprising. You're the, right yeah, about that. I mean that. whoever the president elect is the people who are for him and cheering for him are if that obviously that president won. So therefore, if you were a strong supporter of him and his policies, then you're going to stand a good chance when you run for election because that's what the people wanted. Is this the direction that I'm hoping our party goes? I'm not willing to say that because I really need to see more of what a Trump Republican party looks like. So whether or not this is going to be good for the Republican party is all going to depend on what kind of president Donald Trump is. If Donald Trump gets in there and does a fantastic job, then this is going to be great for us. If he gets in there and completely falls apart, then it's going to be really bad. (laughs) Well, I think he pretty well, boiled that down. I don't know that I have any other, uh, any other responses to it. Uh, any thoughts on all this Pizzagate nonsense other than hoping to God it goes away? I, uh, I mean, just in the sense that, with it, all that? It, it highlights the, the danger of fake news um, and it highlights the danger of getting your information from your friend's Facebook feed. Read for yourself, read multiple sources, there you go. I mean, this is common sense stuff that unfortunately a lot of people aren't doing. Um, and hopefully we as a society can successfully push against it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a reflection on this. It's, 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 it's really that thing. I mean, and honestly, it's really just a big relief that no one was hurt when that guy went in there, yeah. you know, because this is just, I mean, th- because this is just that it's sort of what I've been hinting at a little bit over the course of the last year or two 
uh, a little bit to you. We've talked about it. Was just this I this legitimizing of this fake news stuff, uh, and the way that it's that it really took hold during the fake during the uh, the election, and uh, you know, and this was the whole thing sort of taken to that nth degree to now where there actually was violence and the potential for violence involving guns again thank god no one was hurt but i mean that guy the people that own that business that pizza place have have faced uh you know uh threats and had to shut down their facebook page they're talking about moving the business and all of this stuff really frankly just because john podesta ordered pizza from him a couple of times you know it uh and then it wound up in an email which is just sort of mortifying when it all comes down to it, you know, I don't know. Um, doesn't make me want to open a pizza joint in Washington or New York anytime soon. Right. So, uh, anyhow, uh, so I, I, I don't want to, I, I wanted to ask you about this one th- because I, I, again, I, before I bring this up again, I, I don't want to refight the abortion argument. We've been down this road <laughs> enough at this stage. Well, I think everybody at this stage knows where we're staying, <laughs> but I, I just, I have a, I have the, this one question about this law that got passed in the fetal burial law that got passed in Texas. I just leave the abortion angle off of it. And just the fact that it includes miscarriages as well, uh, and requires burial for miscarried remains. Um, doesn't that seem a little, does it, does that not seem a little harsh to you? Why, why would that seem harsh to me? Well, I, I mean, okay. First of all, miscarriages are are really terribly painful things right. for mothers, and right. you're l- legally forcing them to relive it, and uh, by forcing them to to go through the burial process, and uh, and two, in a lot of cases, there aren't any remains. I mean, this is the sort of thing that occasionally happens in 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 bathrooms and they don't know about it or, or uh, you know, what if, what if it does happen in their home alone and they know about it and and it's happened while they were, were, you know, uh, uh, on the toilet and, and, and there's nothing they can do. Are they legally bound to call the police? No. Uh, I mean, I mean, you know, how, how far does this get taken? I mean, because again, according to that law, if you have a miscarriage, you, you have to bury the, you have to bury it legally now. I, I mean that, it, that again. That just seems a little bit, a little bit heartless to me. I mean, I just, I, I don't know. Uh, like it's like it's like they took a. The, I mean, I, I don't agree with the law, but you know, I mean, again, we've had this discussion. This is what you know, pro-life people are going to do. Pro-choice people are going to do their stuff too. You know, this this battle goes back and forth. But this seems to, to me, this took it just a little too far. I don't know. I, I, I but I guess it did it not for you or. I mean, from what all I've read of it, no. And and I, and honestly, I don't think that if you're a, a parent who who goes to a hospital and you and you have a miscarriage, you know, you were more than likely, you know, hoping to have this child and that you know there's love in your heart for this child and you you want to see it properly buried. I. I don't see how this is cruel in any way, shape, or form. Or that how many mothers do you know? I mean, how many people do you know that have had a miscarriage? And has has, has have any of them once mentioned to you going through pro- the burial process? 
I mean, that's, I can honestly tell you that's one thing I have never heard. No, and I, and I don't know. And like I said, I mean, I guess I haven't I haven't read every detail of the law, so I'm not sure of, um, you know, I, I guess I can't even speak to because everything I'm seeing about the burial law is about abortions. That, that is everything that I'm seeing. Um, so I can't speak to the miscarriage part because I, I haven't, I, I don't see exactly, and nor do I really understand exactly how this goes down, right? Like, is it a matter of you have the abortion, you have the miscarriage, and the, and the hospital goes, here's the remains, go bury this? Or is it simply a matter of that the actual hospital itself is responsible for seeing to it that these things are properly, properly buried and taken care of. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, I get that it's an added expense, but you know, it's an added expense to, no, it's not an added expense. This is not a money thing. I'm not saying that's that's, a money thing. uh, Okay. Well, I mean, that's what a lot of these things are talking about is the added, the added expense of this and such. Um, no, I I guess I, I just, I guess, no, I just, I don't see why that, why that, how, what's wrong with this. I, I, I guess I don't see it. Uh, I think it's just, I think, I think it's just, it's cold. It is absolutely a heartless. How is it a heartless thing to do that you're, you're, you're embracing with this person, the loss of a life. This person who's had a miscarriage has experienced the loss of a life. They've experienced the loss of their child. And you are and I think encouraging you know, the state this is forcing, to be... No, the state is forcing a, the grieving process on that parent, that, that woman, that, that, that couple, whoever, that is going through this alone or together, is forcing the grieving process on them. They should be allowed to handle this however they choose to handle it. Yeah. To be and, clear, this doesn't mean that women are required to host or attend memorial services. Yeah, we're not handing no, them the are, remains and saying, "Here, no, go you, take care of this." We're we're not doing that. No one's doing that. No, but you are forcing them to go through some sort of burial process. No, you're not. Yes, they, you are. That's the whole point of the law. That's not. They're not forcing the women to be involved with this at all, with the exception that they met, that may be a part of the medical expense. So they're they're so the deal is that they're forcing hospitals to go through this. That yeah. hospitals now have to go through the process? Right. The hospital is expected to see to it that these remains are properly buried or cremated. One of the two. They're not just allowed to throw them in the bio waste hazard bucket. So, again, you're, I, I, I don't know. Again, you're putting the parent through knowing that this has to go on instead of allowing them to, instead of allowing them to just move on with their lives. I, I don't know. Knowing I, that I, this has to go on. What, what does that mean? Why is that a thing that, because, because they now, know because that this there child is, a is going thing to be buried to or this is going being, to be cremated rather than we're just going to take these remains and dump them in a, in a trash can. I again. Why I, is that I, I bad for that person to know that? I I I think that calling it a burial process, the way that they're calling it, and forcing it on mothers that have gone through a miscarriage is is potentially remarkably traumatic. And I I again, I don't think the state should be getting involved in that. I really don't. They could have written the law without involving miscarriages. Okay, if we were requiring dead newborns 
to be buried. If we're, you know, you know what's an actual thing, what's an actual struggle that is going on is how the state disposes of homeless people who die. Because for a long, a lot of, for a, in a number of states, they're dumped in mass graves. Yeah, and there's poppers fields. Right. Yeah. And there's a big movement that, you no, know, they need to be disposed of. They need to be buried properly. They deserve that. They deserve that dignity. And that's all we're asking for fetal, fetal remains. That they saying, no, these were, this was a life and it deserves to be properly buried. Well, and I think that the parents should have that in the case of a miscarriage. I think the parents should absolutely, honestly, I think in any case, the parents should have the choice, but I don't want to get in the abortion argument. But then you want to give them that choice. Then you're forcing, then you're, you're forcing them to make a decision about this. I mean, it's the same situation. No, that means that if parents want to, if the parents want to have a burial and dispose of the body in that manner, then they should be able to say, then I believe they can, they can say, we want to do this. And if not, then the hospital should just let it go and not, and not, then the state shouldn't be involved. And now it's just not even a thing. They don't have to sign a piece of paper. They don't have to talk about it. They don't have to do anything. They just know that this is going to be taken care of properly. This makes it easier. I don't know that it does. And I don't, and it, because I don't buy that that's the way that this is going to go down. I don't know. I, we gotta, I, I'll have to look at that, in, that end of the procedure okay. uh, of how exactly they intend to accomplish this. But on its face, including miscarriages in this, doesn't, I, 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 don't, I, I, don't, I do not agree with it. And it seems like a terrible thing to have done. But that's, that's me. Um, so, all right. Round of applause. Who you got? Um. Yeah, I'll give my I'll give my round of applause to uh, to Mad Dog. I'm I'm excited about um, what all he has said on regards to immigration. You know, he talked about the fact that we you know okay yes this is an issue this is a problem for us as the United States but we we have to understand the situations that these immigrants are fleeing from um, and that he he said very clearly he doesn't blame them for coming here. And trying to find a better life for their family. And I am very excited that someone with those viewpoints is our new director of Homeland Security. Secretary of Defense. Dang it. Homeland Security or Secretary the, of Defense? Dang it. I meant the Homeland Security guy. Who's the Homeland Security guy? All these generals. I get them mixed up. I don't know. Who got my... Did he, did he appoint Homeland Security? Yeah, he appointed Homeland Security. Appointed <laughs> did another I miss general. that? Yeah. Who? Well, now I'm going to have to do that thing that we hate where I look it up. And I I see who the new this guy is. Uh, oh, he is a, I, I did miss this. How did I miss this, General John Kelly? There you go, General John Kelly. Well, good. Okay, interesting. Well, yeah, okay. Glancing, you know, people seem to say, all right. Well, fair enough. So this is not this is not Mad Dog, and you do not give your round of applause to Mad Dog. You give it to General John Kelly. I do. Fair enough. All right. Good for him. I got I got like three this week. I, so I'm just going to do them quickly. I, do you it. know what? I feel like we need to mention Senator Harry Reid, who both of us are not crazy about a lot of the time. But you know what? The man's retiring. He's had a long career in public service. He deserves applause for that. I know you probably don't agree with that, but that's okay. Because I'm going to give an equal round of applause to Mitch McConnell because he gave a very kind, very emotional speech on the Senate floor during a session uh, in which Joe Biden was lucky enough to preside over 
when the cancer bill that is getting ready to be passed was renamed for Joe Biden's late son. Uh, and Mitch McConnell had some very kind, very sweet things to say. And I, I thought it was a, a wonderful gesture on the entire Senate's part uh, to do that for uh, Vice President Biden. Um, and also, I was pretty impressed with the way that George Stephanopoulos was uh, standing up to Mike Pence and not putting up with his with his 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 crap about how it was refreshing to hear the president of the United States tweeting about voter fraud uh, without any without any proof and just throwing baseless accusations around Twitter and not putting up with any of Pence's crap in a face to face interview. And I thought that was pretty good. So good on you, George. Yeah, Pence has got a tough job. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that may be, but yeah, you know, and I mean, and it goes along with you know Ryan and Ryan and McCain have both really tried to not have to answer to every tweet that uh, that Trump makes. Um, Ryan made potentially the foolish comment of "Who cares?" I I think the entire world cares. The, yeah, the because that's tweets. the problem. Is now he's um, the president, yeah. and now these are official statements from the president. They're on the record. They're not going anywhere, yeah. and that's why we care. Yeah. Sorry, you know, and Mc, McCain kind of come really didn't say that. He just said, "Look, I'm not going to comment." A uh, kind of again saying, "I'm not going to comment on everything that Trump says." I'm here as the committee chair of the Armed Services. That's my job, and that's what I'm going to do. Um. Yeah, I'm okay with that. That I'm all right with. That yeah. you know, that's that's yeah, that's okay. Unfortunately for Mike Pence, he's the vice president and he kind of has to comment and stand up for. Well, and this the and the the exchange that I'm talking about was that uh Shane said I think one of the refresh Pence said I think quote one of the refreshing things that's uh, uh, things that's refreshing about our president elect. And one of the reasons why I think he made such an incredible connection across the people is because he tells you what's on his mind. And Stephanopoulos came back and said, but why is it refreshing to make false statements? And Pence said, well, I don't know that it is a false statement, George, and neither do you. And Stephanopoulos goes, well, I know there's no evidence for it. Uh, At which point Pence just kind of went, uh, so I I thought again, it was, it was, it was a good exchange, but more importantly, I, I, I very much appreciated what Senator McConnell did for, uh, Vice President Biden, and uh, again, congratulations to Senator Reid on his retirement uh, and for spending so much time in public service. Yeah, and I, and I hope that everyone has, you know, everyone on the Republican side has that has the class to 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 thank him for his service and everything that he did. Uh, they have, yeah. You know, I I I think that Reid and McConnell have said their their obligatory complimentary statements back <laughs> back and forth about each other. I don't know; those two are difficult to figure out. They are just two ridiculously old war horses, and you know it's it's hard to look at them uh, any other way at this stage. I think so. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Moving on to Europe. Uh, there, there's a lot. There's a lot going on in Europe right now. You know, with the Brexit thing, you know, having gone through, and now they're figuring out the machinations about that. Uh, there was a big uh, vote in Italy about reshaping their government uh, by taking some of the power away from the Senate. Uh, that was voted no, and now the prime minister who was pushing the bill, the referendum, is has resigned. Uh, there is a big election coming up with Marie Le Pen, who we talked about a little bit, little bit about next week. Uh, they decided on a challenger for her. Marie Le Pen is very much uh, in the Trump vein, only, as you said, a, a little bit more of an ideologue, so potentially much scarier. 
just lots going on out there. So, uh, how this is all sort of the it's all sort of in the same thread of populism that just seems to be just exploding through Europe and also here in the States. Um, how, how far can this stuff go, you know, and do these people really have any, any real chance for success? Oddly enough, I think Trump may be the one who has the most potential for success. Because I just don't see that how Brexit can really work, you know, in the long run. I almost feel like it's going to be sort of a nightmare to actually accomplish. Uh, Le Pen is potentially a disaster, and Italy just doesn't, it really seems to be back to square one at this stage. So, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I mean, the the, the European move towards more nationalist and populist um, candidates has been in the works for a lot longer in the United States. The United States sort of got taken by storm with Trump, but in Europe, this has been building and building and building. Uh, and I don't know. I, I think it can go pretty far. Uh, and I think, I think it can go pretty far in a negative way, you know, uh, as far as you seeing, scarily possibly the the downfall of the European Union you know you lose you lose Britain it sucks but hopefully you can kind of recover but I mean you lose France too and it seems like it's pretty done at that point um, and you see countries like Italy um, sort of fighting back against the sort of fiscal restraints that staying in the euro, uh, is forcing upon them uh, the same sort of fight that we already saw happen in Greece. Uh, and then potentially you see countries like Germany going, well, look, we're good. We'd rather not have to deal with all of you spendy, wasty types of countries. So we're going to do this on our own now. So, I mean, there, I think it can go pretty far and there's a lot of potential for damage. Yeah, Germany is kind of the odd man out in all this, kind of, aren't they? Am well, but right? what we're seeing, they're... look, I mean, we, they were, but now you're seeing a rise there as well, you know, as, as people are trying to rise up and uh, fight against Merkel. Um, now, she's still extremely popular and obviously extraordinarily competent. So hopefully she'll be able to successfully run for and win uh, a fourth term. But she's got plenty of folks who are striking out against her. And you got to look at, it's not just populism, it's nationalism, right? And, and that's what we're seeing in Germany, uh, is this sort of rebellion against all of the um, immigrants and refugees who are coming into what, the country. It's what, we're, it's what we're seeing here, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, so it's a, it's a, it's a blend of populist and, and nationalistic policies that are potentially very dangerous. Yeah, and, and I th- I think what concerns me about it is 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 more or less, you know, it's 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 really to me a lot of this is is, is that it's not based in any real, le- I mean, and, and I don't want to I don't want to use legitimate because I know all, some of these some of the concerns out there are legitimate, but it and it is in some cases in in a lot of ways it's 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 just based on fear. And what you have is a lot of people 
a lot of politicians and people in leadership positions or people that want to be in leadership positions, ambitious people that are recognizing that fear. And instead of, you know, there's there, because there, there is such a tremendous difference between harnessing people's fears and stoking it, stoking them, you know? And I feel like we've got a lot of leaders around the world that are noticing these fears and in, in power grabs, they're stoking that fear rather than trying to harness it for something that's actually constructive. Well, and that's, that's, that, that's what, that's what I, I see as concerning. And honestly, that's largely what I feel like I've seen out of a lot of Republicans in the last several years. And I, I'm seeing more of it around the world and it, and it, and I, I find it very concerning. Well, unfortunately the problem is, is that a lot of these are very legitimate fears, you know, and, Oh yeah, no, we, I'm not we saying talk not. about the immigration yeah. issue in Europe, right? Uh, you want to encourage them to be open and welcoming to these people coming in, but these people coming in sometimes are causing issues uh, and sometimes very serious issues. There's been very serious issues in Germany. There's been very serious issues um, in France. There's been very serious issues in the United States. And whether it's a matter of that it's caused by immigration or in you know in the United States, whether it's an issue of the jobs that are lost due to free trade, um, these are legitimate concerns that people have, and we're not doing a good job of addressing those specific concerns and finding ways to work together constructively to fix these issues. Um, and unfortunately, the vast majority of these problems are stemming from all of the struggles in the Middle East and the spread of radical Islam. So that that's the issue that has to be dealt with because if you see, and that's when you start talking about nationalism and you want to say, Oh, nationalism bad. Well, yes, but also understandable when You've got millions of refugees, some of whom are, are radical Islamists, you know, and a lot of the values and, you know, the stances towards the, the feelings on women and that sort of thing don't jive with Western values in any way, shape or form. You know, uh, you look at the, the hijab, you know, and this is. Sometimes a very innocuous display of someone's religious beliefs, right? But it can also be symbolic of derogatory views towards women. How do we deal with that? How do we cope with that? How do we blend how do we blend people into our society when they are so radically different from us? Um, and it's tough. And there's not easy answers. There's not a a very straightforward way that's worked. Oh, well, you just have this sort of multicultural, ugh, you know, that was what we tried and it failed uh, in a lot of circumstances. So what, what do we do? And it's, there, there's not easy answers to this, unfortunately. No, I don't, I don't think it failed. I don't, I, I do not think that it failed. I think that that is absolutely. And that's part of the mm -hmm. problem is that, People are running around saying stuff like that where they say that, well, this failed. It didn't fail. It got hard, but it didn't fail. 
And I mean, I you know what the 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 idea of the immigrate the immigration issue to me is a much larger, much more legitimate problem, at least from a from a standpoint of 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 Islamist uh, Islamic refugees, because in Europe than it is here, because they really do have that massive flow of millions and millions of people. Mm-hmm coming out you know where we we don't have we we just don't have that now to hear politicians talk we have that but uh that's not it's not anywhere near the problem here that it is in uh you know say turkey you know or or in france or in any of those countries um but this idea that that multicultural uh, multiculturalism failed is, 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 is just, is, is just, that's, that's just wrong. I mean, it, it got harder because we have this one thing that is challenging it, but it's not a failure. And you're acting as a civilization to say that is to, to look around and, and, and see civilization crumbling around us. It's not. Um, and just because something gets hard doesn't mean that you abandon it completely. I think you have to, as you said, you have to try to find ways to deal with it. Um, but you know, this is because there are, again, you're, you're in a way, this is trying to paint the hole with this very small minority. Right. With a very small minority can do, does very serious damage. No, they do, and I'm not saying they don't. But and that's all I'm know, saying. I'm not saying it doesn't and mean that you just give up on it. Well, and I'm not necessarily saying we just give up on it, but we also have to recognize where things have where things have failed and see how can we how can we improve on this? Um, because when we talk about multiculturalism, I, I'm sorry, in some ways it did fail, uh, and I'm not really going out on a limb to say that. Uh, if you look at you look just look at Britain. You know, you have people who came came into the country who, by all rights, should have adapted easily into the society, were welcomed, and all those sorts of things. But then you see this radicalization that uh, that happens. Who? Why did it happen? Why does this? What's going on there? And how can we address it? And how can we fix it? Who in Britain radicalized what? Who are you talking about in Britain? Uh, man, there's been there's been several instances in Britain. Uh, what was the massive? Uh, there was a there was a bomber that uh, that that's the primary one that's going through my head uh, from London. Uh, you know, well educated person that somehow about the one ten years ago. I think so. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so that's the sort of situation that you 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 have to address is how, how did this radicalization occur and how, how can we address it? How do we fix these things? I think in part we address it by standing our ground because again, this, this idea that that's, that's what, that's what, that's what annoys me with this, with all these just, I'm, I'm sorry. And I'm going to use a bad word. All these just, no, I'm not going to use it, but all you just, you know what? They're cowards. I'm going to come right out and say that that I believe that every Republican that was on that stage that was sitting there cowering and screaming about just whining like little girls about all oh, these scary people are coming into our country and we have to completely adjust our way of life because they don't like us, because they want to hurt us, because they 
they want to they have succeeded in some cases of doing all these bad things no you don't do that you don't stand up on that stage and talk about how weak we are and how scared we are and how we have to call it like it is no you stand your ground this is our society you want to come here great we welcome you here but we are not going to be afraid you don't back off and go, well, maybe we need to rethink this multiculturalism thing. You stand there and go, damn right, we're going to keep this up and we're going to kick your ass while we do it. How, how do you go about kicking people's ass while you're... We do this the way that we have been doing this for, for years. We build it slowly and we beat back any attempts to knock it down. And that's the way that it's gone. And that's why we have a culture in the United States that includes Italians and Asians and Irish and Scottish and uh, Germans and all and Jewish people from all over the world mixing with Christians and uh, and frankly Muslims and Hispanics and all of these amazing cultures that we have in this country that is a remarkable multicultural thing and now there is a threat to that multiculturalism you're absolutely right but you don't give up and you don't stand there on national television and go Ooh, we're so scared we're going to change everything no i like that multiculturalism standpoint and the and i am willing to fight for the values that we stand for and frankly one of those values to me is multiculturalism and that's and yes islam islam radical is radicalism radical uh islamics are a threat to that terrorism but we don't back away from that threat you turn and face it look i'm not arguing that point and i'm not saying that therefore we need to completely get rid of multiculturalism and we need to have burqa bans and hijab bans and we need to stop muslims from coming into our country and we need to stop that is not what I am trying to give voice to in any way, shape, or form. But we do need to acknowledge where the system is broken down and where it has failed and how we can address these things. Uh, how can we welcome people into our society without um, losing lives to terrorists? Um, and, and that's a legitimate fear. You know, now, do politicians need to be stoking those fears? No, absolutely not. But they need to be acknowledged and accepted as reasonable concerns. Um, 9-11 wasn't perpetrated by people living in a faraway land. It was perpetrated by people who came here legally. Uh, San Bernardino was perpetrated by someone who came here legally. The Pulse nightclub was perpetrated by a, a citizen, correct? He was a U.S. citizen. So how do we? Who was born here? And the yeah, and the Somali uh, person who attacked uh, in Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Ohio wow. State. You know, this is someone who came over here legally. So multiculturalism, great, awesome. I'm the first. I love diversity. This it's my favorite. But we have to acknowledge these issues. And we have to try to figure out how we can how we can stop these things. And that's fair, but pointing out that, you know, like with the hijab thing, pointing out every person that, that wears a hijab and going, well, we need to, we need to find out if you're okay because you got one of them things on. 
That, and that is not what I said. That is not what I said. What I highlighted was the fact that this can be two different things. It can be as innocu- innocuous as the very, um, very devout Catholic woman who still wears a veil to mass. Or it can be symbolic of derogatory views towards women. And it's tough. It is tough to know which is which, and it's tough to know how we should handle this going forward. You know, you want to talk about the Irish, you want to talk about the Scottish, you want to talk about all these groups who have been successfully brought into the United States. Great. Fantastic. Absolutely. Yes, they were. They also weren't killing people. And their entire view on life, their their basic values, weren't as different as... Islamic views are to Western values. So there is. There is a drastic difference between is the basic, you know, sort of Islamic values and Western values. There's a traffic. There's a, there I, is. I, I don't think so. You are acting as though the, the every because you are a Muslim, then you are. But then you believe in Sharia law. No, I am. Ab- no, no, no. I am absolutely not trying to say that. No, not in any way, shape, or form. Well, because this this idea of Sharia is where the real where the real distance between the two cultures exists, and just the sort of average everyday Muslim does not necessarily believe in Sharia, and Islam is no more antiquated towards women than Christianity is in its most basic form. Christianity is not exactly, you know, if you look at it from a uh, you know, the Bible is not exactly the most open-minded, non-sexist book on the planet. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I, I think if you, I think it, it, it's a little, it's a little much to say that all Muslims have this radical difference in, in culture. I, I apologize. I, I maybe didn't get in all of my adjectives to make sure that I was speaking correctly. You are correct that there are plenty of main, more mainstream. Well, but shit, what, what is mainstream Islam at this point? I, I, you're right that a Muslim person living in the United States who's been here for a long time probably has general views that are more in line with Western values. But if you go over to the Middle East and you look at what is now mainstream Islam in the Middle East, I don't think it's a stretch to say that it is very different from standard Western values. I don't, I don't think that's a stretch. Is that a stretch? I don't know if it's any more a stretch to say that they're, that they're, but I mean, to say that that's a problem for us is, I mean, I don't know if that's any more of a stretch than to say that there's a massive gap between some values between us and Japan or China or uh, South Korea or any of that. Because I mean, you know, again, in some cases they have, some views on men and women that are not exactly enlightened uh, or what we would see as enlightened. Uh, You know, I think that those differences exist wherever you go and to say that it's unique to, uh, to Islam is uh, again, I I, I think it's disingenuous and I think it's, it's stretching the, it's stretching the truth. Um, Well, and the fact that it then, I mean, as you want to talk about, there's aren't that many South Korean terrorists out there that I know of. No, and I'm not saying there are. So, but I, I mean, mean, that's the thing a, is that right now, 
what we see, the issue that is going on, is that with the religion of Islam, there is a very violent sect of this. And it's hard to know when you bring in a Somali um, student, what are you getting? Are you getting the fantastic person who just wants to make a better life for him and his family? Or are you getting the next Islamic terrorist? I don't know. You bring somebody over from England. Are you are you getting the nice person who wants to make a great life for their family? Or are you getting somebody who's going to, you know, marry an American girl and beat her up every night? You know? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, really just don't it, think the numbers are in support of you there. Uh, no, I mean, I, I mean I, the issue I right I mean, now I'm, I'm facing sorry. our I mean, it's, world. It's just your, no, it, the issue is, right now facing our world is that there's radical, radical Islamic terrorism out there, and there are people flooding from that area of the world, most of them, the vast majority of them, just trying to escape. But with them are coming some very radical views amongst, amongst some of them. I mean, that, that's just what's happening, right? It's happening, but it's happening at a larger on a larger scale in Europe. Yes, absolutely. Do I think that it's happening on anywhere near the level in Europe that it's happening on uh, in the states that it's happening in Europe? No, it's not even close, and they're not even worth comparing. But I'm no, I'm not. I'm not saying that you're wrong, and I'm not saying that we don't need to be vigilant to a certain extent. I think basically what I'm saying is that you catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. And, uh, and, and it, it, I'm sorry, it really basically comes back to that. I, uh, you know, there are, but another thing that we're not looking at enough is how do we help these people solve their problems at home? So they don't necessarily want to leave. Agreed. Right. And that's why I'm always going to go back to, I disagree with Obama's decision not to try and establish safe zones. And I respect that that would have meant putting troops on the ground out there. But I think in that situation, it would have been worthwhile. It's hard to disagree with you on that. It really is at, at this stage, you know, uh, just based on that. But, you know, it, but it's a shame that we weren't in a position to do that, you know, at least because we had all of this residual, you, ha you have this residual, uh, you know, concern about getting involved in another war and what does it mean based on the bullshit that we went through going into Iraq. So, you know, it... And that's you, understand you and that at, is understandable. Yeah. That is. You know, that's, it is. Which is why I I I hear what you're saying and I and in part I agree with it, but then I also understand why he did what he did. I guess is is sort of does that make sense? And I honestly would say the same thing. I understand why he did what he did. I do. Uh, but hindsight's 2020 and I think safe zones would have been a better way to go uh, in order to help stem the tide of refugees and immigration. Word. All right. Well, have you anything more to say on the subject? I do not, except, except to make absolutely and abundantly clear. When I talk about you know, multiculturalism failing, I mean failing to some extent. That this didn't turn into the happy-go-lucky melting pot world that someone like me would have hoped um, that it would have become. And that it has become much more fraught with danger than I would have expected and would have hoped for. And while I absolutely agree with you that we need to be a voice of hope, we need to be a voice of peace and of welcoming. I do accept that 
people have very legitimate fears about the direction that some of this has gone. And I also want to state that I, I, I did not, if it, if it came across, if I ever came across, I, in fact, I, I think I said earlier that I did, I, I didn't want to use the word legitimate or not legitimate. It may have come across that way. I, I have a difficult time looking at anyone and saying that your fear, that being afraid of something is an illegitimate thing because fear is very real and it's a difficult thing to worry about. And I, I, I never want to say that I think your fear is illegitimate. I always want to hear people out and, and, you know, try to find a way to ease fears instead of brush them off. And that's not what I intended to do at all. So if, if I came across that way, so anyhow, all right, well, I love you. You love me. That's cool enough. There you go. And we'll just leave it there. Yeah. (laughs) So, all right. Well, that's all we got. We, we have we have nothing cool for you this week. Actually, that's not true. What we have that's cool for you this week is that we love you guys and, and, and thank you so much for, for listening to us. You're fantastic. Just absolutely outstanding people, every last one of you. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, check us out on Twitter. I'm at LibCon Matt. Tim is at LibCon Tim. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.